Welcome back to episode six of Faithful to the Walk. I am your host, Randy Leonard, and we are here for episode six, which we have titled Delay is Not Denial. And today joining us on the show is our special guest, Pastor Jeff Ralston of First Pentecostal Church of Lake Charles. As we dive into this episode, grab a snack, grab a drink, enjoy it, but also take some notes if you wouldn't mind. And also, if you haven't already, don't forget to like, comment, and leave a review. If you have any further questions about the, any podcast episode you want to hear, we'd love to hear your suggestions on those reviews. And last but not least, hope you enjoy the episode, and let's enjoy this sponsored segment as we go right into it. Let's enjoy episode six, Delay is Not Denial. Here we go. Welcome everyone to episode six here of Faithful to the Walk. I am here currently sitting in, I guess it would be your second part of your office here, here at First Pentecostal Church of Lake Charles today with our special guest speaker, Pastor Jeff Ralston. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. This is our counseling room. I got you. Yeah. So it's set apart. A little different just in case uh, someone wants to meet but I'm not familiar with them. I don't necessarily bring them into the office, but we have a, a space here. And it's perfect for this as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited for you to be on the show today. And I know that you're excited that we're getting connected finally for the first time here. It, it took some time. It took some time, but we're here and we're doing it and it's exciting. So tell us a little bit about how long you've been here and what, what you do here at FPC. I know you're the senior pastor here, but... Tell us a little bit about how long you've been in Lake Charles and that. Well, Shelly and I have been here now for 19 years. We came um, July um, 19 years ago, preached our first message entitled The Year of the Gospel. We were evangelists and we were coming in from a wonderful move uh, that we'd experienced in Madison, Mississippi with the Dillons. Awesome. Came to Lake Charles and really at the time, we're not really convinced that, that we were in the right place. Um, the church was going through a major transition and we were looking to have uh, people commit to the gospel. So our passion was Bible studies and the church really wasn't in a position for that because of the transition they were going through. So we thought, well, it's probably good for us to go to the next one, which was in San Antonio. And uh, the pastor, he convinced us to, to stay on a Sunday and just feel after if it was the will of God. And it's been 19 years ago. That morning, the Spirit of the Lord came upon us, and we knew in that moment that we were supposed to stay in Lake Charles. Church voted us in, and they voted us in in November. We took the church the following year in January and became pastors. That's awesome. Well, today um, I have asked you, uh, we... We were together at on Saturday for when Mississippi Allstate came in, and we were, had an incredible time in the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. But you preached a message about David at Ziklag on Saturday to that group, and I'd just like for you to, and our theme today is delay is not denial, talking about, you know, 
we might be in a position right now where God's made promises to us and God's God's give us God's given us anointing or whatever it might be and we may not be seeing that the fruit of that right now so I'd like you to talk about what you talked about on Saturday with to our audience today well I would love to you know and and what a great idea delay is not denial right you know um, but but you know when you're 20 25 even 30s and I guess in some instances later in life, mm-hmm. you do feel like it's just not happening. Yeah. And I know that there's time set apart for prepping and you wanna be you wanna be prepared and you know there's time to devote yourself to study. Mm-hmm. But boy, it does feel like often that all your labor and work to do your best in terms of developing your character, developing your study habits developing your abilities, your giftings, and yet the door doesn't open, you know? Um, I can remember laboring and working so hard and just not having at, any, anywhere to preach. You know, you just yeah. you just want, you get tired of just preaching to yourself out on the back porch, right. you know? You want an audience of more than squirrels, right? You know? <laughs> I need to baptize somebody. You I know? can't keep baptizing this duck in the pond, you know. <laughs> you know, so I, I tell you, I I felt so I felt so compelled to speak to that group of amazing youth that had come in to speak to to that sensation that I know all of them is having, and that is, I feel like I'm anointed, but why isn't it breaking open yet for me? You know, um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing my part, but there ought to be some type of confirmation, some sense of purpose and opening and direction as I am continuing to develop in my anointing. Well, biblically, I found a, a really, I think, a, a place to, to stop and just think. And that's in First Samuel chapter 30. Yeah. We know at this point David is anointed. Um, God has sent the prophet to anoint him above his brothers. So he's got the anointing. And I would stop here and say this. I don't read where David was ever anointed again in that same instance. Right. So in the one first instance of anointing, he had everything he needed from God. Mm-hmm. Right. We know he's anointed of Israel, of his generation, because... After he killed the giant Goliath, the daughters of Judah were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Well, that's not the truth. David <laughs> killed one giant. You know? <laughs> so their generation is no different than our generation. We see something and, and we blow it out of proportion right. and we make it to be much right. more than it was. But what that signified, I think, was that David's... David's actions that day caught the imagination of Israel. Right. They needed a hero, right? Saul was God's anointed king in the position, but he certainly wasn't a hero because he hadn't captured the imagination of Israel. David had. That's the anointing of people. And you really need both. Mm -hmm. You know you need both. And I tell people all the time, don't be frustrated when those little Pentecostal mamas come by and go, baby, you're doing good. And yeah, that yeah. was wonderful. That's the anointing of the people, right. and it's priceless. You know, it's truly. Um, so David's got both, right? He's he's got God's favor. He's felt the hot oil of the prophet 
flow down his, his young face and he's, he's heard the daughters of Judah singing. And so he knows God is for him, but now he's in a position to where he's anointed, but not prepared. Wow. If he was prepared, then God would have moved Saul out of the way. And we could talk about Saul and how Saul is caught up in his own ego, but the truth of the matter is he was kept there by the sovereign purpose of God so that David could be prepared right. for the position of being king. And so what do you do while you wait? Right. You're anointed, mm -hmm. but there's someone still in the place that you're supposed to be in. There's a lot of things that took place there, but one of my favorite happenings is what transpired in 1 Samuel 30. Okay. And that's where David went to Ziglag. Ziglag means to forge. So it's one of the first known places in that region um, to be used in the making of metals, purposed primarily for that. So there we see that uh, their, their primary focus was the forming of metals wow. and melting them down and making weapons. Wow. That's perfect because David is a shepherd, right? Right, right, yeah. He's killed a lion and a bear only in the providence of protecting sheep. Right. Okay? Um, so all David knows is, is how to be a shepherd. Well, God sends him somewhere meant for the forming and the shaping of weaponry. Right. So God says, I'm going to put you somewhere that's surrounded by this industry of weapons wow. so that you can learn about weapons so you can fight and learn how to fight. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So what better place to learn how to yield a sword than a place that's made to build a sword? Wow. So that's where David wow. is now at Ziglag. And Ziglag had far more meaning than that, though. Ziglag was on the outskirts of the promise gifted to Israel in that it came under the domain of Judah. Judah was supposed to take ownership of right. it. Well, they hadn't. At the time of David in 1 Samuel, it's under the command of the enemy of Israel. Right. Right? And so it's in the control of the Canaanites. And David had purpose in taking it because it belonged to Judah. But it belonging to Judah, it, it, that relates back yeah. to a much more broad idea, and that is it, it, it fell under Judah's providence because Abraham, Abraham of old, at some point had put his foot on that piece of property. Right. Okay? Right. Because all that land of Genesis promise. Genesis 12. That's right. right. All that land of promise was gifted to Abraham through his walking the, the breadth and the length of the land after the order of God's promise. Right. You step foot on it, Abraham, I'll give it to you. Right? Right. So Judah couldn't take it in the days in which Saul was king. But David did. Meaning that while David waited for the throne to open, he went ahead and pursued an old promise given to Abraham. Wow. 
Okay. Wow. Yeah. So what do you do while you're waiting for a pulpit to open or while you're waiting for a, 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 an opening that you feel like you're, you're going to one day accompany, you know, I'm going to be a pastor, but I'm a long ways from stepping into that role or, you know, I'm, I'm looking to preach full time, but you're a long ways from putting those kinds of revival services together. Or maybe you haven't even stepped in a pulpit yet, but you know you're supposed to be right. prepare, prepared for that. So you're studying, you're working. Meanwhile, what do you do? Well, you lean on a promise that you do have. And the Bible says that your generation would prophesy. Right? Right. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So while you're waiting to speak of those greater things from a pulpit, go ahead and speak them from a prayer room. Right. While you're waiting to declare right. them from an elevated position, while you're standing on the altar, go ahead and prophesy and speak of the promises of God to be fulfilled. Declare and learn even now. Learn to preach to yourself. Learn to speak the promises of God. Learn to develop the gifts of the Spirit and ask and pray mm -hmm. and covet those things. So while David, while David waited for an opening to the throne, he took license to fulfill an old promise. Wow. See? So here's what you do. You practice preaching. Right. You, 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 you practice preaching in your dorm room. You preach to yourself yeah. and develop those, those habits of commanding the miraculous. Right. And do it now. And what, and like, for, for example, like, and this is beautiful of, of in that preparation, say, like, I, I know friends, they're like, I just feel called that God's going to, you know, you know, allow me to give a million dollars to missions one day. How would you, how would you prepare in a practical sense for that? That's great. So why don't you give? to move the missions a thousand this year. Right. Right? Right. Okay, why don't you say, okay, what I'm gonna do is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe now for an outrageous number and work hard towards it and just start stretching my faith and seeing what God will do as I'm waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. He said now, he said now that he would put back into me, press down, shaking together, yeah, running over. Right. Yeah. So that's what I mentioned a while ago when I said we don't see where David was anointed of a prophet again because the anointing that was on him that he received right. from the prophet, that anointing was to sustain him, right. to keep him. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So if it's in you now, it's only going to be magnified. Absolutely. But meanwhile, it's in you now. Correct. Right. So practice that. You may say, well, this year I'm going to give $100 into a college kid that's, that's struggling to meet the demands of tuition and food now, that may be a lot of money, but go ahead and start. So the point being, don't wait. Right. But step into the fulfillment of that promise now, even if it's at a micro level. Absolutely. Right? The second thing he did while he waited, in Ziglag, the Bible says that there were 600 men that were under his command. Okay, if you go back to the twenty-second chapter of First Samuel, you'll see that at that point there were four hundred, right? Right. Right there in in verse two, 
of First Samuel 22. There were 400 that came to him right after he was discharged or released from Saul's command, and mm-hmm. he takes off, takes flight. The Bible describes them as dysfunctional, to say the least. Yeah. These are people that were pretty much enemies of the state, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here's the point. David could not network within the kingdom, but while he waited, he networked with anybody that he could connect with. Right. Okay. So what I'm saying is this. If you're going to be anointed and in the ministry, it's going to be about people. Right. Right. Now, we often want to network with, man, those top names. I'd love to be in the phone of Victor Jackson or, you know, right. Daniel Bernard or, you know, I want these guys to know me. I want to know them. I want to rub shoulders with them. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Right. Right. Correct. But meanwhile, if there's someone that's in your youth group that looks to you and goes, boy, I sure wish that I could have couple of minutes and spend time drinking coffee with that person. Yeah. Right. They want to network with you. Well, network with them. Right. Right. Correct. They may not have the, the 1000 Instagram account yeah. number, right? They, they may be the, the smallest, the Joe blow off. And the most, yeah. Or they may be the dysfunctional one. Right. Right. They may be downcast and, and have, a, and have a brokenness about them. That just that you just see, right? Right. That's who David networked with. That's who David built as his framework that became the mighty men that served him. Right. Come on, somebody. Right? Right. So what I'm saying is the person that is always discouraged could be the very person that bears your armor. 20 years from now. Right. And so like we, uh, I remember we were at camp meeting just a couple weeks ago with the Daryl Weber. He's like, he looked at me, he's like, I want you to go work the altars. Cause he said, you never know who you're going to connect with. He said, because brother Stroud, he said, brother Stroud's only 30. And he said, you never know what kind of person it could be. The next district secretary is <laughs> right. sitting in the, sitting in the audience today That's right. and the altar praying for a breakthrough in their life. That's right. You know, you end up working and, and doing the best you can within the company that, that God brings to you. Right. So here's where I would, I would really put this in a practical sense, right? Instagram and Facebook and all these platforms have opened us up to the world. Right. right? But I believe in the energy and in the anointing of God to bring people to you in a real physical sense. Right. So to someone that's to someone that's that's perhaps in high school this year, that's going in and they look around and it's easy for them to go, you know, I, I know I'm separate from everyone in this room because of who I am. Right. right. It's easy to allow that attitude of separation to become a barrier. Wow. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and to become an intimidating factor. And I've seen this happen a lot. Okay? Don't worry about the world influencing you. Influence the world. Right. Look around and ask yourself, 
who in this room, who in this room needs a friend? Okay? So this is not just about someone in your youth group that may need a friend. This is about someone on the workplace that might need a mm-hmm. friend. That And go, can I win this person to Christ? Because that's why you're there. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Okay. Now, I talked about this as we moved into what took place at Ziglag. We know the enemy came, burned it, and took David's family as well as the family of these that had come to him and he was assisting. And the Bible says that they picked up stones and were looking to stone him. Right. Okay. Um, Understand, he's networking with dysfunctional people that he's bringing into a kingdom idea. But they're not kingdom people yet. Wow. Okay. Matter of fact, they were outcasts from kingdom. Right. They were rebels against Saul. Mm -hmm. Right. They would become, when David would become king, they would become kingdom people. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. And in a kingdom frame of work, you don't strike out against the anointing. If you're kingdom minded, you don't strike out against the anointing. Right. David wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Because David was anointed to be king, so he would not rise up against Saul, even though he could. And Saul was right there, and David had a sword, or he could have spoken to any one of his men to drive King Saul through, but he said, I will not touch God's anointing because he was a kingdom-minded man. Right. Even though he wasn't king yet, but the anointing brings a kingdom idea right, framework to your spirit. Meanwhile, though, he was networking with people who were outside the kingdom. Right. That's why they picked up stones thinking that they could, in fact, stone him because they had not yet been brought into kingdom thinking. Right. Right? David, at that point, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. Notice what he did not do. He networked with these who were of all walks of life. Mm -hmm. But he didn't encourage himself through those people. Those people. Right? Right. When he was down, when he was disappointed, when he himself was dealing with the bitterness and the loss, right? He knew, I I can't at this point open myself up to people that are dysfunctional. I must seek and be mindful that when I'm discouraged, I have to stay kingdom-minded. Right. And not allow just anyone to speak into my life. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is really important because I want, as a, as a young man, I, I want you to fellowship with everybody mm-hmm. and connect with everybody and, and love everybody. But when you're in a place of, of bitter strife within your spirit, mm-hmm. right? Right. When, man, that, when, when, when that struggle comes and you're fighting for your spiritual focus, Right? Right. You've got to have a much narrow point of view as to who you lean on. Right. And who you have confidence in. And who you allow to speak into your life. So this is what <laughs> we find at Ziglag. 
while David is in a position of preparing for something he's anointed for but not quite ready for. Right. He is in a place of forging. He does his best to take hold of an old promise. Right. With a new attitude. He networks with everyone, but is selective in who he encourages himself with. Right. Okay. And then the, the next factor is this. The Bible says that David was in that instance at Ziglag, was going out, and he was fighting uh, nomads. Right. This wasn't the Philistines that he was fighting. He was fighting the Amalekites. Now understand, David is a shepherd that's learning war. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't take on the Philistines, not in a, a measure that he would if he become king. Because Philistines are a kingdom. The Amalekites were not. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. Right. They were oppor- opportunistic. Right? David is attacking the Amalekites. And he's wiping them out. Right. He's killing them. And he's taking all of the gold. He's taking all the silver. He's taking uh, and, and feeding his warriors right. through these raids. Okay. And he's learning battle. That's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here, here's the powerful thing about this from a theological perspective, from a deep <laughs> spiritual yeah. point of view. Absolutely. Okay. God hasn't put him in a position to fight the Philistines yet to take on spiritual wickedness in high places. Right. That's, that's the kingdom battle, right? But David is learning how to feed his warriors and to train his warriors. So you can imagine they go in, they set up to attack this village. David's learning how to position his men for battle right? against the descendants of Esau. That's who the Amalekites were. Right. Right? So what kind of spirit did Esau have? Flesh. Absolutely. He he balked at the promise of God. Right. He didn't take hold to what his grandfather was convinced of. Right. Right? He sold it for a cup of soup. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So he shrugged off the anointing, had no care at all for the promise. Right. Right? Right. So these are people that are familiar with spiritual conquest, but indifferent to it. And these are the people that David's learning to do war against. Right? Wow. So what does this mean? Brother Randy, what does this mean? It means that you learn how to fight and you learn how to do war against your own carnal nature first. Right. Right? Right. You you learn how to stand against those voices that say, you know, it's not for you. God's not real. Right. You, how can how can you how can you believe when you keep failing yourself? Right? All those constant battles that we have inwardly that's where you learn to 
to fight. Mm -hmm. That's where you learn to fight. When someone becomes strong and kingdom poor, it's because they have already learned how to overcome in a personal dimension. Wow. Right? Right. How, how, can, how can you order and command if you're personally a city without gates? I wish we had a button right now. <laughs> oh, you know, a Bible bomb is what that is. <laughs> so this is the, this is the story of, of David. He's, he's learning to feed and develop a kingdom attitude while facing a carnal and, and a, 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 a foe that has no desire right. for anointing but understands anointing. Right. Right? Right. Now, this is the generation you're facing right now. Mm -hmm. Okay? And, it, and it's a generation that, that's more so and more set now than ever before. Right. Okay? Own ideas, own truth, own morals, whatever. I, I'm my own God. Like all, all those different ideologies. And it's it, it, right. And it, it's so involved. Mm -hmm. Okay? I mean, everything at this point now, everything at this point now is coming down to a battle between good versus evil. Right. Okay? And, and learning to do war in this zone here now for you is the greatest battle you're going to face. Right. Because if you can conquer flesh, right, if you can rise up and smash Esau in the face right. and say, man, I'm going, I'm going to overwhelm this right. carnal nature, this disinterested attitude, right. this lethargic spirit, I'm going to learn how to worship when no one else is worshiping. Right. To pray when no one else is committed to prayer. And, and, and through that process, now you begin to invite a true anointing that encompasses a much broader approach. Right. A kingdom approach. Right. Right? Correct. But, and I didn't mention this in the message that we talked about on on Saturday. But this is one factor that's really important. David's a shepherd that has no flock. Right. How's he going to feed 600 people? Right. Okay. So here's what I want to ask you. In ministry, who are you feeding? Wow. Okay. So here's my point. Start teaching a Bible study at a young age. Mm -hmm. Start teaching a Sunday school class young. You, you never learn better on how to effectively be a Christian than when you're trying to encourage someone else to be a Christian too. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. And we get so caught up in this, this attitude of, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better. I'm going to... I'm going to become what I need to become, and then I'm going to begin to engage the work of God, right? Before David was ever a king, he's having to feed 600 people. Yeah. How do you feed 600 people? You have to go out and attack the flesh. You have to go out and attack the Amalekites. Right. You have no choice. You've got people that are looking to you going, what are we going to eat, right? And right. so... Every Sunday, I'm preaching. 
I've got an appointment with the pulpit every Sunday. Yeah. I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word. Yeah. Preparing every day for what I'm going to present to the people. Right. Well, guess what? While I'm in the Word, I'm war in my own nature. Right. I'm war in my own flesh. But I'm feeding. I'm feeding faith. I'm feeding joy. I'm feeding hope within myself. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. This is the what God wanted to teach David. Right. This is why David is at Ziklag. Wow. And this is why David becomes an effective and powerful king. Because he knew what it took. Right. Okay. And even in a more practical sense, like not only are you allowing the word of God to sharpen you and change you, but at the same time, it's like you're taking time out your day with being with your family. That's right. Like that's that's killing the flesh. Like it's it's dedication. To it's the, dedication. Right. It's dedication. But the, the sooner you're in a position to learn how to encourage others, to speak in other people's lives, to teach a Bible study, the, the more you understand the investment, the time, the energy, mm-hmm. and you get the flow going. You get the anointing going. You, get, you start living in this vein. And when, when you do that, the thought, of, the thought of not being anointed never crosses your mind. Right. You know, the thought of not being productive never crosses your mind. You're producing wow. every day, mm-hmm. right? And this is what God intended. Now, let me show you one more thing that I didn't bear out Saturday that's really important. And it also, it also is, a, is a great source of focus for all of us. I want you to notice something. David, when he gets back and notices it's burnt with fire, his wife, his wives are gone. There's two things that you need to know here. Number one, David killed the Amalekites. But the Amalekites, they didn't kill his wives. The Amalekites, the the flesh is not looking to kill the enemy seeks to kill. The Philistines want to kill you. Right. But the flesh, it wants to enslave you. The Amalekites, they want to take David's children and sell them off. His wives and sell them off. Okay? David's a warrior. Right. He's become a warrior. He's He's got a killer's in, instinct now. Right? So... Flesh has no problem with you being involved in a church, but remaining carnal. Wow. To stay to, to stay imprisoned in doubt or in pornography. Right. Right? You know, to stay locked into some kind of silent sin that you fight but never overcome. Right. Right? Well, you're as ineffective as anyone else. Right. That's living in the world. You might be going to church, but you haven't overcome that true flesh. That's why you have to rise up and just do as David. Kill. Right? Right. This is why Paul said, I die daily. Right. You know? He said, I I'm and if I gotta die every twenty five minutes, I'm gonna die. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But I'm not I listen, and 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 I can tell you this as someone that has a, a history and someone that works 
from an academic's perspective in mental health. Mm -hmm. I know the importance of being good to yourself, right? Right. But don't tolerate sin in your life. Repent and be tough on your sin, right? right? But also be good to yourself, right? Have a good, strong mental attitude and mental approach. And we can balance both of those things. Right, like even if you, even if you, I don't know who this is for listening, but who, even if you fall short, you know, the righteous man falls down seven times, but always gets back up. Turn around, what? Repent, you know, get, get yourself right with God, but just get up and keep going at it. This is one of the most important things to try to talk to. And, and I, I'm not quite sure as to how to handle it just yet, right? But suicide, major discontentment, oh, yeah. discouragement that becomes depression is rampant. In our generation. It knows no boundaries. I'll, you know, I, I wish at some point that this would be something we could really attack because it's a major issue. And that's why I brought it up just to say, I want people to be tough on sin, but fair, fair to themselves. Your flesh, right. you're never going to be perfect. Right. Okay? And the, I think the enemy has really done a masterful job at convincing people of of this sense of imperfection mm. and compared it to what we think church should be. Okay? But let me tell you something. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said, the one that I hate is myself. Right. Right? And what I hate about myself is that when I would do good, I don't. Right. And when I say, oh, man, I'm not going to do that, I turn around and do it. Right? Right. And he says, woe is me. I'm a wretched man. Mm -hmm. That's chapter 7. Chapter 8, he testifies as to how to overcome it. He right. said, if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the, the dead, dead dwell in you. you. Okay? So the flesh, he said... I can't stand my own nature. And the way to overcome it is by spirit impartation. Right. Right? But he says something in Romans 8 and 1 that's really masterful at, at connecting the dots. Therefore now there is no condemnation well, quote, quote it, right? for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is who, therefore now no condemnation. Who walk according to the spirit, not the flesh. Not the flesh. Right? Right. It's the only time in the Word of God that the word condemnation is used. Condemnation is one of the most brilliant tools the enemy uses. Okay? Right. Because condemnation is you convinced that God is not for you. Right. It's when you, it, it, it's when you allow sin to separate you from God right. instead of allowing sin be understood, dealt with, and then you run back to God. And you look at that same passage, you know, he talks about you break that through the sonship of the Spirit. That's right. And Galatians 4 said, talks about the same thing of how, like we've been talking about this whole time, it's that process of that breaking and that chiseling. Because ultimately what the promises that God would fulfill to David and God's going to fulfill to us, you can't fit into that specific season that God intends for you because he says 
his climax to Romans 8 is, we know that all things work together yeah. for the good of those who it's love right. God and are called according to his purpose. It's right. We can't fit into the season God's intended for us to fit in unless we go through the time of the process. Oh, well said. You have to, right? Right. But meanwhile, you've got to work hard every day not to be condemned mm-hmm. to the point you just give up. Right. Right? So I've always looked at it as condemnation pushes you away from God. Conviction brings you instantly to God. Right. Right? Now, have we got time for me to mention one more? Absolutely. Go ahead. So there's one factor that I didn't mention, and this is the one I was getting to a while ago. When I got into David not having a flock but needing to feed 600. Right. There's one more factor here that's so important. The Bible says that David's wives were taken and his children were taken. Okay? He asked that the priest bring the ephod. He prayed. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And he asked God a question. And the question was, shall I pursue? Are you kidding me? Okay? We don't even think about that question. But to me, that question is one of the most impactful statements and points in this entire First Samuel 30 passage. If you come and burn my house and take my children, I'm coming, Lord. <laughs> right. I'm coming. Guns blazing. I'm, 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 I'm coming. <clears throat> Whatever I got to do, wherever I got to go. Right. But my life is spent finding me and getting back what you took. But listen, David is in such a place tenderly Hmm. where he won't even pursue what he's in covenant with and what he's emotionally bound to without first asking God, is this your will? Now let me tell you the heartbreak here. He becomes king. He's got the blessings of God all about him. In the springtime, when kings go to war, he sends his army. He stays back. He looks out across the balcony and he sees Bathsheba. But the old king has lost that tenderness. He's lost that ability to stop and say, God, should I pursue or should I not? And without even thinking, he takes something that's not his. Wow. And commits a sin that turns into a disaster that brings the entire nation of Israel tremendous shame. In the process of waiting and in the process of longing and in the process of trying to fulfill your anointing, there's a tenderness to hear the voice of God that's so true and so sharp that even if your heart wants it, you still wait to see what God has to say. After you have fulfilled the purpose of God and have success, 
you've got to stay just as passionate about knowing, is this your will, God? Right? You see? Sometimes what happens to my generation, Randy, we become too comfortable with our anointing. We become too familiar with our success. We begin to think, well, man, I'm so locked in now to kingdom, and I'm so one with kingdom. I can, this, this, it's all, it all, it all belongs to me, right? Mm. You, you see, what I want is I want success with a zigzag spirit. I want to constantly be in a position to say, I know there's another level. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me keep Esau pinned down. Right. Let, let me fight against my nature and fight against my flesh. Wow. Let me stay in a place of the, of, of the pounding. Yeah. Right? Let me stay in the, in the spirit of, of pursuit of God's will to the extent where I remain so much in dedication to kingdom idea right. that I don't take anything for granted but ask God in every phase of my life, shall I pursue? Wow. Shall I pursue? Thank you, Randy, for the opportunity to speak. Yes, sir. And I pray that this blesses your audience. And yes, now sir. I'd like to, if, if you would uh, permit me, say a prayer. Absolutely. So, Father, we thank, thank you, you for Jesus. your word and what it means yes, how it works with such effectiveness. I pray for those listening today, however life finds them and wherever the anointing has them, whether they're just coming into kingdom ideas or whether they're well along in the process. I pray today that God, you would grant us favor, that you would give us a season to pause and reflect, that you would be with us as we remain in the anointing be with us as we seek out opportunities. Help us not in any way to be caught off guard or go in the wrong direction. But I pray that you would promote us according to your time and season. Meanwhile, God, teach us how to network with the right people. Teach us, God, how to keep our, our flesh under subjection and win those battles over our own nature. Teach us, God, how to feed a flock and and have success, teach us, O oh Lord, how to listen and understand the importance of waiting to know if it's your will to continue. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.